0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, good to see everyone after one extra hour's sleep. It's funny, does anyone feel tired after an extra hour? Maybe because you went to bed later. I was up watching some of the MMA, just checking out what's going on there, and uh, seeing who won and who didn't, and most of you are like, what is MMA? Anyhow, great to be back, we had a great week, birthday last week. Who enjoyed the birthday cake last week? (laughs) There was none left, so you can tell me you didn't like it all you liked, but the evidence is there. It was all gone. Um... So yeah, we had a cracking week last week we, we look over from London and just celebrating all that God has done and, and thinking about what God might want to do in the future and uh, even the Heart for house I'll, I'll share a little bit about that later, really encouraging uh, about how generous our church has been this year, and just it's just a good sign, a good symptom of growth, of heart uh, investment and all that good stuff um, also, we have, just before we get into the Word, uh, we have a man night this Wednesday night. Is there a slide there, Ethan? Sorry you put that on you. Um, love a last-minute change. Uh, so we've got man night. We've got Brian Adair and Patty McAllister sharing their story. It's going to be food. So any man excited about that? Give me a hoo-ha. <laughs> the, guys, the guys love that. It's like a team huddle, nearly, just in hoo-ha, chest pump. We'll be doing fist bumps, chest bumps, arm wrestles. I'm only kidding, don't go on the weights this week. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a cracking night. Great chance to invite the, the men in your world. And uh, we're going to have a, it's going to be really encouraging, actually. The guy's going to share some, some home truths, some, some real stories from their, their lives and their journeys. And I think it's going to touch your heart in a good way. Not in a feminine way, in a very masculine way. Yeah. Is that right? Is that right? So, so that do not miss that. Bring all the guys in your teams, all the guys that you know, just everyone um, that is a male, because you, you do understand the male as a thing these days, yeah? <laughs> there is such thing as male and female still. Good. Just so you know, you want to keep things simple. Um, so we're going to go straight into the scripture. If you've got a Bible or a notepad, go ahead and get it out. really important that we understand this, learn it, and we catch it in our spirit. Uh, We're going to pick up in Matthew 26, verses 36 to 41. And Jesus is here right before he's about to be crucified. And I I want to look at some things which are very interesting uh, and odd, and maybe some things we can relate to. Um, so then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here a while, a while I go, and pray, go there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Actually, it it speaks about where you can get this condition in science where you can be so stressed that you can actually sweat blood. And we see that within the Scriptures too. Stay here and keep watch with me. So, so Jesus was under intense physical stress. Mental, it was connected with his soul it seems and his spirit and his mind. But there was something weighing on him that caused him, to, he was desperate and he goes on saying, verse 39, going a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not I, not as I will, but as you will. Honestly, I was away for a run with one of my friends, Timmy, around Tullymore yesterday, and I says, Timmy, two to three miles max. And unfortunately, Timmy is a coach. And the problem with coaches is, or they're always trying to push you further than you want to go. And I'm like, I hope he doesn't trick me into something here. And I've got my wee Apple watch on and I've started it just to make sure because I know that's where I'm kind of at right now and I want to enjoy a lovely, leisurely jog and a chat. And I I was like, two and a half miles, Timmy, we're near the the car park, are we? Yeah. And we're up and down these hills and and it was actually enjoyable to about two and a half miles and could chat, I didn't want to stress too much. And honestly, a three mile marker... I, there's no sign of a car park <laughs> and I'm like Timmy close to the car park oh yeah yeah just up there and round the, like he assured me it was three miles max just up there and to the corner and then take another left and then up straight or take another right up there and then we'll Timmy how long is that like I, I, I'm limited here at three miles that's oh, just another mile and a half or so not no but nearly five what did you not listen I agreed to come here to do two to three miles maximum. I promise you, the last two miles, I didn't talk, didn't make a beep, apart from. (gasps) It was it was stressful. Now that's only on a very small level compared to what Jesus is experiencing here. He's stressed. It's physically manifesting on his body. He's crying out to God. Actually, I, I would prefer a different way. Timmy, I would prefer we stopped right now, which we did. I made him. But there's something going on with Jesus here that he, he's so stressed. And then he returned to his disciples. Now, he's asked his disciples, his followers, the people who have given up their life to follow him, to do one simple thing. Just, they didn't have to go through it with him. They just had to pray. Returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? just pray for one hour, just, just support me spiritually for one hour, just keep watch physically for one hour. Just. He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Everyone said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, what had happened here was that they, they had decided to give up their life to follow Christ. They'd said all the right things. They'd done all the right things initially. They'd even said that uh, uh, they, would, they would never deny Him. Peter said he would never deny Christ. And, and in his mind, and his spirit, he, was, he meant it. It was genuine. It was pure. It was right. But when it came to a manifestation, he didn't have the power. He didn't have what it took. To fulfill what he said. He he over promised and underdelivered. Does anyone love people like that? They promise you the world and underdeliver. It's not a nice place to be in a relationship with somebody who's over promising and under delivering. That's why, as a people, as a church, we want to always be people that nearly underpromise and overdeliver. More than enough. Let's pray. Today's message is called, Look to the Root. God, I just pray and thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the power that you possess and you offer to us. God, help us to learn ways to receive your power so that we can bear the fruit that you've called us to bear. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Look to the root. Just a few minutes earlier, the disciples were saying that they were willing to do whatever. Just a few minutes earlier, they were saying, Jesus, we'll go wherever you want to go, and we'll do whatever you want to do, and then bang, they fell asleep. I find this interesting story uh, as I was doing some research, and a lot of you know that it, when we come into to confrontation, some of you hate confrontation. Can I get an amen all those people? And some of you love confrontation, you love a good fight. Stand for a fight. Like, live for a fight. Uh, and you're just looking for opportunities for a fight. You're, you're going to get tea and coffee afterwards and, like, let's, get, let's, get, let's bring up a controversial topic and let's get a fight. And so, what happens in those situations, fight or flight, that we learn about, is, is that there's an adrenaline response. You either run for dear life or you stay and you, you put your fists up, whether physically or verbally or whatever. But there's actually another. Um, option that I didn't know about. Well, maybe there's some symptoms of it in my life, Um, but there's a story of a guy. He says, last month, my wife and I found ourselves in a disagreement about whether or not our apartment was clean enough. This is not me, by the way, (laughs) for guests, but I I can relate. The type of medium-sized disagreement that likely plagues all close relationships. Can I get an Amen. In the midst of it, there was a a lull and a feeling feeling exhausted all of a sudden, and I got up and left the living room. In the bedroom, I immediately fell face down into the sheets. The next thing I knew, it was 20 minutes later, and my wife was shaking me awake. I hadn't meant to fall asleep. I I was just so fatigued in the moment there was nothing else I could do. There was nothing else I could do. So in, in other words, this guy started to do more research. Why do I fall asleep when, when I face conflict? Why, why am I doing this? And he went on to say, a few weeks earlier, I'd come into conflict at work, and there was some kind of confrontation, and he fell asleep at the desk. <laughs> and he's like, there's something wrong with me. So he went, he went to research this, and he found out that it was a psychological term called learned helplessness. And where it really is derived from is, is when you think you can do nothing There's nothing to do. And so he literally, something subconscious in his mind just switched off and he fell, he felt very relaxed and fell asleep. It was a coping mechanism to cope with a problem. It's nearly a bit like maybe what the disciples were so burdened with what Jesus was going, was happening to him. The scenario was so, so wed and weighted down that, that somehow they decided to sleep. It just seems rare and weird. But sometimes, honestly, if I'm in a conflict situation, even with my wife, sometimes I go into this nothing box, man. Do you know what I mean? Where there's nothing in it, and it's peaceful, and it's calm, and I'm, I, I become a little bit dumb. Where I, what? Did you say that? I don't remember you telling me to do that. <laughs> I, I think I'm developing a coping mechanism to deal with the conflict. And so what I'm trying to say is, if we believe that we're helpless, what happens is we switch off. If in the church and in our, in our daily walk and in, in the, the conflicts of life, in the turmoil of life, that we feel that we have nothing to offer the world around us, situations, especially as men, that's why we have men's night, we can switch off. We can become Passive. And, and it's useless to us and to other people. And I, I just wonder if, if some of us in here, including myself, it, are there some scenarios even after this survival mode kind of year and a half, two years? Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes what can happen when you go into survival mode, you put your head in the sand and you just want to ignore the issue. And in the process, our heart is neglected. In the process, we're not feeding our soul. In the process, we lose strength. We, we have muscle fatigue, atrophy. Isn't that right? Pointing out the physios. Atri- wastage of muscle. Faith is a muscle, and it needs worked. And if it doesn't get worked, it becomes weak. And when it becomes weak, then you don't want to use it any longer because it has no strength. And so maybe what Jesus was saying, hey, I need you to pray just for one hour. Maybe it's not just for Jesus, it's for themselves about what's about to happen. I need you to be prayed up. I need your faith muscle to be strong. Why? So that you can make decisions that your spirit wants to make. Because the spirit of God on the inside of you leads to life and not death. The Spirit of God on the inside isn't trying to reverse a process of life. It's trying to bring life. Because the word Spirit, if we go down to the um, first point, the Spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. So I want to strip back what the word Spirit means in its essence. In, in this context of this scenario, the word that is used is pneuma. And the word pneuma means the soul of a man, the mind the breath. You see, God speaks into our mind through the Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to have an anointed imagination, because God speaks to our thoughts, to our minds. That's how He communicates with us, sometimes pictures, ideas. Our our language is learned through sounds. The way we pronounce certain syllables, we learn language through the sounds and also pictures. And so we're going to look at anointed imagination. But here, what's happening here is, is there's something going on in the spirit. The spirit, Jesus is saying, Listen, I see that you were willing, but you didn't have the strength. Where in your life right now are you willing, but you don't have the strength? You're willing to be a good husband or wife, but you don't have the strength. You're willing to wait on the right partner, but you don't have the strength. You're willing to serve God, but you're too embarrassed, and you don't have the boldness, you don't have the strength. You're willing to be a witness on the earth in your spirit, but the natural part of you psychs you out. The fear's too much, it's crippling you. And maybe Jesus was experiencing exactly the same, but his answer to the problem was to get on his knees. His answer, he he realized the solution for me to say yes to God in this scenario isn't just going my own way and my own strength. It's actually to get on my knees and pray, to connect to a strength, to exercise strength, to get stronger. And then the word for flesh that Jesus is talking about is talking about just the human body, the nature, just a natural life, a natural way of doing things so because of your personality because of your upbringing your your natural way of doing things might look different to somebody else it says in James 2 verses 18 to 19 but someone will say to you will say you have faith i have deeds so so you have faith i have deeds show me your faith without deeds and i will show you my f- faith by my deeds You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that. (laughs) Well, that's harsh, but it's also true. You see, believing in God, acknowledging that God is in existence, and Jesus walked, died, and rose again, is true, but it doesn't get you into relationship with God. It doesn't grow your faith in Christ. It doesn't build your relationship with God just by just acknowledging that there is a God because the demons believe and they shudder. They even fear God. So, so what's going on here? So, 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 so maybe let, let's break this down into our everyday situations. So, so maybe you come from a Catholic background or maybe you come from a... A, a very ritualistic background where you were just going to church because granny said so? <laughs> yeah? or, or, or it, it was a culture within your, your family just to go to church. And you went to church, and, and maybe I know from Anna, coming from a Catholic background, what was understood by her was that I have to try and achieve God's approval. There's like a line in the sand, and I'm always trying to chase it. And so what happens when, when that's your belief system is that you're never good enough. What happens when that's your belief system is that you're always trying to, to, to gain God's approval. You're always trying to get closer to the line. Oh, I went to church today. I prayed today. And so all of your prayers are then affected by that belief. Your prayers are, please forgive me, God. Please help me uh, uh, do better for you. And please help me to do more works for you. And, please. and so what happens is you're always trying to attain approval. You're never good enough. You're never confident. You never have boldness. And it often can become about how much you can do in the deeds, deeds, deeds. Work, work, work. I serve, help here. I'm that charity. Doing this, doing this, doing that. Right? And then maybe from a different background, and you come from maybe, say, a Protestant Calvinistic background, which is somebody who believes that God just has an elect, which is true in the Scriptures. But remember, there's tension. There's two sides. And you just believe God will save who God will save. And so because you've went down that line so far and so extreme, what happens is you don't have to do nothing because God will do what He does. And so you're sitting there, and all you do is you talk and you think and you discuss. You go to groups, and all you talk about is intellectual stuff. About, oh, I've seen this in Scripture, and let's have an argument over that verse in Scripture, and, and, and I'm right and you're wrong. And there's nothing to do with the heart, there's nothing to do with the spirit, there's nothing to do with the soul. It's all natural. The Holy Spirit is not needed in those environments nor is he pursued. And so what happens is Jesus would say, hey, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We've got to be careful that we don't try to get the flesh to lead the spirit because it can't. It's the spirit is the deepest part of you and the only part of us that is most like God. It's the most, it's only perfect part of us. And so we need to exercise the spirit because the spirit is supposed to be the leader of your soul. The spirit is supposed to be the captain of the ship, making the calls, turning the rudder, setting the environment, setting the culture. And so, if we're not careful, I want what we can do is we can end up going to church to do works or just to learn more information. But it's all natural, and it's dead, and it's powerless. And it won't change your life. And so what happens is you come in and you start to nearly feel guilty because you don't feel good enough or or, or you don't have the energy. I I don't want to witness. I don't want to talk about Jesus in work. I don't have the desire to. Of course you don't. You're living a natural life. The Spirit of God is not alive in you. That's what Jesus was saying. Can you not just pray for an hour? You need practice at prayer. Because you won't be able to stand the force of evil, the resistance of the flesh without prayer, without intimacy with God. You just can't do it. It's impossible. That's why the Bible says it's actually impossible to please God without faith. What is he trying to get through to us? He's trying to say, listen, unless you feed the spirit, you won't be able to follow me into into the darkest places you won't be able to say yes to me even in front of your friends because you just don't possess the strength of the poor. Can I get an amen? Number two, faith without work isn't real faith. So so what you're going to experience right now is you're going to hear me going from side to side. So, So what do you mean, Phil? Well, it says in Romans 3 and 28... So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. So let me explain two scenarios here in the Bible. I want to help you. When you read the Bible, some people say it contradicts, but it doesn't. There's tension with truth. So let me give you an example of this. So here's Paul in the book of Romans here, and he's speaking to a context and a situation. And the situation is people think they can be saved by works. They're in a Jewish tradition, and there's tons of rules and regulations. You can't eat this. You got to go to the synagogue, do this, da da da. And, And so that's the context of the situation. And Paul's like trying to relay foundations. He's trying to relay the roots. He's trying to. You're going the wrong way, and he's saying, "Listen, you're saved not by your works, but by faith alone. You're justified, just as if you never sinned, by faith in Christ. That's foundation." That's the beginning. That's where you start. It's nothing to do with how good you are. Why And what does that allow us to do? It means no one can boast at how good they are because we have all fallen short of God's glory. So here, Paul is preaching to the church in this situation or to the gathering of people, and he's saying, listen, you're living a natural life. You have no power. The power of the resurrection is not in you because you're doing it by works. And then what happens when when you're talking about uh, works and and intellectualism and I know this scripture and I can rhyme off the first five bu- books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, what happens is what rises up? I'm better than you. I'm better than the person in work because I'm a chosen person by God. He has anointed me and I'm full of pride. Welcome to church where we judge the life out of you. Anyone experience that? What happens in that situation is people have focused on the intellectual side of the Bible alone, they believe they've trapped themselves into believing just by nature and the way the culture is set up within the, the gathering. It, it is that you get honoured for knowing more, and all that attracts is academics. But Jesus didn't come for academics; he came for sinners. He didn't come to try and make you a little bit smarter, which you will get smarter if you're spirit led. I promise. Because why? You learn to say sorry. That's a good thing. You learn to repent. That's an amazing thing. And so this is the scenario here. And so let's fast forward. Let's go to the other side of the equation. And here we have a a situation where James is speaking to the scattered church. The church is vulnerable. It's small. And and what these people are probably doing is they're shriveling up. Their faith is probably maybe not on a high right now because they've taken a blow. Maybe you've taken a blow recently to your confidence and you're feeling insecure and you're feeling there's a lack of security in your life and maybe lost a job relationship. I don't know what that is, but, but the, the church in, in that James is speaking to understand that. But James has chosen to say, listen, your faith without works is meaningless. It's dead. Because, yes, we're founded by faith, the root of salvation, the root of relationship begins in, in Christ. That's our root. That's where it begins. That's where all the nutrients comes up through the tree. That's The first thing a tree will do is get rooted. That's why it says, if you're planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. The first thing you should do within a, as a believer is get committed to one church. Can I get an amen? One church. You find your fit. There's tons of different restaurants out there. You like different types of food. That's okay. You like this worship. It's too loud over here. It's, too, it's not loud enough. They're, they're not dressed reverent enough over here. And they're too reverent over here. So you've got to find your fit. Some of those things are immaterial. It's just preference. But, but, but you've got to get rooted. And when you get rooted, what starts to happen when you're in fertile soil and, and the scriptures preached then, then it starts to come up through the roots and the trunk begins to strengthen. And then obviously that takes time. And then all of a sudden the branches come out. These beautiful real trees that we have up here, they haven't changed in at least three years. I haven't had to look after them. But <laughs> planted them a wee while back and here they are. I'm joking, by the way, in case any of you are going to accuse me of lies. They're completely plastic. <laughs> Anyhow... So the roots come down, and all of a sudden we have leaves, but not just leaves. When the Spirit is given birth, we become born again, which is, we just come to life like a baby, and we start to grow and mature, and branch out, and get more mature, and not just more mature with Scripture, and knowing more Scripture, that's a load of nonsense if you believe that by, by knowing more Scripture, you're more mature than a believer, Unfortunately, that's not always a good indicator of someone being a mature Christ follower led by the Spirit. Sorry if you know a lot of Scripture, but you're not spiritually mature. Because spiritually mature is about being obedient to the Spirit's leading, which is then confined by Scripture. The boundaries, the limitations, Scripture gives us that to help guide us in the way of life. But what happens is you go to this tree and we've got some people in here and, and and right right is this a believer what the what on earth is this a believer it's in a lovely tree there's a lovely branch but i'm not seeing no patience they like they're really angry all the time i'm not seeing no self control they just lash out at people i'm not seeing no long suffering as soon as it gets hard and the going gets hard and going gets tough they fall asleep emotional response is sleep uh, they certainly don't look like they've got peace because they're always worrying and updating their profile picture looking for likes every three seconds. They're, they're not, they don't come across loving, like they actually care about me. They're always trying to focus on their own stuff, don't really ask how I'm doing. There's not much fruit. Can't see no fruit. You see, when you go and you're looking for an orange tree, what, what defines an orange tree? Is it the branch? Is it the leaves? Is it the trunk? Is it the roots? What what do you look for? How do you confirm that an orange tree is an orange tree? Anyone? There's an orange. Put our hands together for a pin bar. No, seriously, put your hands together for a pin bar. So, so, you understand, right? So, So, in Galatians 5 and 22, it says that the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, long suffering, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control? So here's here's a clue. If none of that is coming out of my life, there's a problem at the root. If none of that is coming out of your life in, in a situation, maybe you're good in one situation but not in another, listen, sometimes until life squeezes you, you don't know what you truly believe. You're living naturally, but when things hit the fan, as they say, that's when we know what we truly are founded on, rooted in. And if prayer is not our first response and it's our last resort, then that just tells you, gives you feedback. Whereas if I'm looking for an orange tree, I'm looking for fruit. And so, oh my word, this person has, has developed, developed, it takes time takes failure, growth, they've developed, they, they're, they've got peace, oh my goodness, what's this? Find a real piece of fruit in a fake tree, this is outrageous, it's a miracle, they're, they've got love, they've got patience, what's the, oh my goodness, they've got kindness, they're not in a rush, What's this there? Did you know that the epitome of the human problem in the Garden of Eden was impatience? That that Adam and Eve weren't patient enough to wait on God. So they went ahead of God and done it their way. And invited on shame. And invited on sorrow. And, And invited on A severing of the relationship with heaven to earth. Impatience. Where are you impatient? Because where you're impatient, the spirit of God is not strong. Are you not waiting on the right relationships? Where have you sowed a seed, but you're too used to the world we live in and it's quick interactions. I can't wait. I need a buzz before I'm planted in church, but the right relationships aren't forming in three seconds. So it mustn't be the right... Well, where did you get that from? Because the way I look at trees and the way I see my grass grow, you love the grass example, don't you? Is it takes time. My grass is looking amazing right now, by the way. But it was, took a grind. What, a six months? Now I'm just like, ask Anna every day, Anna, what do you think of the grass? <laughs> yeah. Got to be careful the pride doesn't kick up, but you know, very proud. And so the question is, where is the fruit in your life? Have you got fruit of impatience? Fruit of anger? Have you got fruit of a lack of self-control? Have you got fruit of being harsh with people that stirs up wrath, the Bible says? Well, if that's the case, well, then maybe there's a problem at the root. And the beautiful part about this is you can fix it And it's going to take time, and it's going to take consistency the same way trees take in order to produce fruit. This is the last thing that happens to a tree, is it produces fruit. And so if you're going to get planted in God's house, if you're going to see God move in relationships, if you're going to continue to get emotionally more mature and have better responses, it's going to take faithfulness in prayer, and it's going to take time. And you're going to need the grace of God. You're going to need the root, the, a healthy base that is rooted in the grace of God, the grace of what Jesus provided on the cross. You're going to need that every day. Why? Because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, you're going to have problems where you don't get it fully right. And that's why you keep going back to the root, which gives you healthy nutrients to continue to go grow, go higher, continue to spread. By the grace of God, we move forward. It's by the grace of God we stay in relationship with God. But what's this? It's by obedience that we move forward. You can, you can be, all, be over here like, like the believers in James. Oh, grace of God. we You know, life's easy. We don't have to do anything or please God in any shape, form or fashion. We live how we like. God's grace keeps me. It does. But there's a tension because faith without a work it's not faith. You don't have real faith. You can't get away with it. Because true faith changes you. True faith manifests itself in your life with patience, with love, with kindness, with joy. You can't get away from the fruit. So you can fake faith. You can pretend you have faith. And you can pretend that the grace of God is at work in your life, but it's not if there's no fruit. Can I get an Amen. So Paul is speaking, Paul is speaking to the root and not the fruit, and James is speaking to the fruit and not the root, but you need both. Um, Who wants an orange? Adam? Bit of C lad. (laughs) Bring that home with you and... So number three, feed the root and see the fruit. We're going to finish off here. I still in this queue. <laughs> so a question I have for you is this: Personally, I want you to ask yourself this. If I was to ask you right now, are you deeply convinced that you' are loved by Christ? Oh? <laughs> that's a personal question not for anyone else for you are you in this moment in time deeply convinced because this is a sign of a mature believer and it's okay if you're immature but we just don't want to leave you like a baby are you deeply convinced because you know what that talks and speaks to the heart the spirit the soul if you are you receive that through the spirit And your roots are founded firmly by a loving relationship with God. In the same way you want a loving relationship in your life. That the healthy foundation of that loving relationship is that you're accepted for who you are and all your flaws and all your mess. In the root. We talk about getting to the root of the problem. It's true. The problems that you have maybe are are not that you need to work more or maybe not that you need to go and and, and learn more. Maybe the root of the problem is you need to ask, how, how's my heart doing? And have I received the love of God? Just the simple love of a father. Have I let him speak and breathe into me the spirit of God? Because if not, your heart will grow hard. And you begin to live naturally. And your natural coping mechanisms come into play. Fight, flight, or sleep. You see, biblical prayer is trying to deal with the problem of your root to empower you to see vision, to empower you to see. You've heard people talk about God dreams, and you're like, that's far-fetched. It's not. It's an anointed imagination. I'll talk a bit more about this next week, but really all that is is an imagination that isn't driven by your natural self, which gives you anxiety. Which, which is the opposite of peace, which gives you the ability to overthink and worry, which is not what God has called us to. But until you have this spirit at work and exercise in faith, it cannot get strong. And so therefore, your natural mind just plays games, just runs rampant and causes all kinds of dysfunction and disorder. You see, the, the anointed imagination is coming under God's order and limitation and authority. And so if we do not feel loved by Christ, guess what happens? We inappropriately borrow that love from somebody else. We expect our relationships to provide what only Christ was designed to give us. We go into work looking for compliments. Whereas if we were doing it as unto the Lord, and and we understood that in our root form, in our spirit, then we have strength. We're stable. We're faithful. We're not, waiting, we're not performing to the extent of someone's compliment. We're not just posting stuff that isn't driven by conviction. It's just driven by what the culture will like. It's so easy to fall into that, and it's all stemmed in the root. Question, do you harbor envy or selfish ambition? Do you find yourself getting jealous of others? Listen, it's okay to get jealous why? Because it gives you feedback on what's going on in your heart. Often you're jealous because of maybe what God has called you to or, or you see yourself in the spirit in a certain role or position but you're not there and somebody else is. Sometimes you can, you can turn it upside down and, and take feedback from it but it's because your soul is unfulfilled that you're trying to be someone else or you think you should be somewhere else. Instead of focus on the process of faithfulness, focus on what God has anointed you for and put you on this earth for. It's not for what somebody else is doing, it's for what He's called you specifically to do. The question is what is happening at your root, at your base, at base camp? Is there anything happening? See, see, when we talk about people finding visions and dreams, and the Bible says that young people should, it can only happen if we have roots that are planted in God's house and, and walking in God's way over a prolonged period of time, consistently, through storms, through the sun, through the rain. We need both. Actually, I'll tell you this, some of you might struggle even theologically with some stuff, and that can be one of the best growth spurts in in your spiritual walk, because it causes you to ask honest questions at the root, and actually deal with some stuff, and get rid of all the surface intellectual nonsense that isn't bringing you anywhere. Does your soul need replenished? Does your soul feel empty? I promise you this. There's one thing that I've done in my life that sometimes I find hard to get to, but when I get there, it replenishes my soul. And it's prayer, and it's reading the Scriptures. Why is it? it, it I, honestly, I, I'll admit, it, I find it hard sometimes to get there. Me and Anna, we, we, we've decided we're going to do it every Saturday morning, first thing. But sometimes it's a struggle. We prefer to stick the TV on or put a program on or get distracted by doing. Because why doing is a coping mechanism to not have to be vulnerable. See, maybe if you're from a, a traditional background and you're used to just going into church and out of church and there's no emotions and there's no vulnerability in your heart, and there's, there's nothing happening at the root. And you're then feeling the pressure of having to go and convert people and go and, go and produce fruit. What happens is you have artificial fruit. That's what Jesus criticized the most. He went, he went to the Pharisees and said, you, you make people twice the sons of hell. Why? Because they were going around trying to convert people in an artificial form. They were going around creating artificial relationships. An artificial relationship with God, which is dead, it doesn't exist. It's why because there's no root. There's no spiritual beginning. It's it's to please man, the culture, and the culture around them. Or, or maybe you've came from a place where it's just about learning more and more stuff. And you got to read your Bible, but why? Is there a reason? Do I just have to keep ticking boxes? Well, unless God's Spirit has breathed on it and is directing us and speaking to us and we're obeying, not just staying in the grace of God but, but moving forward with obedience, then, then what is it we're doing? I really feel this is an important message for so many of us who come from all these different backgrounds or maybe you've came into, from a Pentecostal background and, and you've been so used to just the Spirit moving or emotions moving or whatever it is and you're not grounded in Scripture. You don't know the word. And so you don't have fertile soil because it's more emotionalism than it is attention of both. And so what happens with that is you can't endure storms. You're not deep into the floor. You're not deep into the ground. The foundations are not strong. And that's why you need scripture. And that's why you need to learn and and have those deep roots that actually can pull up the Spirit of God, that Pentecostal-type stuff can come through the roots. The gifts of the Spirit can move through the roots, but the roots need to be established strong. Can I get an amen? So go ahead and stand. See, what that is talking about is about truth or illusion. Sometimes we can have an illusion of what we think is nice, and what we think is pretty in our minds, and it's not biblical. And therefore, it doesn't work. It doesn't survive. But but what we're talking about right now is we're talking about the Spirit of God coming alive in us. And so I'm not talking about ritual. I'm not talking about just going through the motions. I'm not talking about doing it because everyone else in here is following Christ. I'm talking about making a decision in your heart and saying, listen, I have sinned. I have messed up. And and who's paying for my sin? Who's dealing with my debt? Well, that's why Jesus came, to give us rock-solid foundations, that we can actually go into the world and produce fruit. And because of that fruit, which is organic, it's natural, it's not forced, it's not artificial, because of that, we see God move in us and then through us hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Aria Church podcast.